All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, come on. Can we one more time? Can we lift up a highest praise to Jesus? Come on, for 15 seconds. Come on, let's make some noise for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, he's our Savior. Come on, he's everything we need. Come on, honor him for just a minute. Well, listen, my name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church. I want to say welcome to everybody here at our Florence campus. Thanks so much for showing up. Can we show some love for our Lawrenceburg campus? It's good to have you guys in the house. Again, to all of our guests, all of our VIPs, if you are Faith Church family and you're showing up either in person or online or, again, this is your first time with us, whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we want to say welcome. We say it every week, come on, that we believe Jesus. He is the hope of this world. He's everything we need. Come on, he is the enduring, long-lasting, eternal source of, source of joy, peace, hope, and salvation. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle, your issue, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. Does anybody here already know that's true? Let's go. Well, two years ago was the last time we had an Easter service. We did not do one, obviously, because of COVID, was not able to meet at least in the building. However, in 2019, we had over 5,000 people on both of our campuses, and now we're two years later. And so I say that to say that obviously churches are regaining some momentum. Certainly we are. We're seeing more and more faces come back to the building. And so I just want to encourage you. I know, again, some people even then will still not feel safe. But as we roll back some of the mandates, as more of the vaccine gets out and as people feel more comfortable, man, let's pack the building. We're going to have lots of services and opportunities for you to get your friends and family members in the house so they can experience the hope and resurrection power of Jesus. So plan on getting some people here. It's going to be awesome. Come on. Is anybody, I'm already fired up. Let's go. Again, I want to thank so much for the Malones for being here again. So if you're not clear, we are already monthly financial supporters uh, of their project. And so that, again, is because of your generosity. And so, man, so thankful, man. We bless you guys to prosper. Man, we consider it a privilege to partner with you, man, for real. We're believing God for big things as you make an impact in our area. We're thankful for your family. Amen. Well, listen, uh, we started a new series last week entitled Transplants. Come on, everybody say Transplants. Transplants is this idea that God is in the business of taking out the old and putting in the new. There are things in our lives that he deals with, and there's some stuff that he wants us to have that he puts in. And so specifically through this series, we're looking at some of the anatomy of humanity that God deals with. Last week, we talked about this idea of the heart, that God takes out old stony hearts, and God puts in brand new hearts of flesh, hearts that can sense him and know him and get close to him. And today, we're going to move into week number two. But let me just ask this question. Does anybody know, or have you ever wondered, where do emotions come from? Where do emotions come from? Like, think about that. So for hundreds of years, different cultures have believed that emotions have originated from different parts of the human anatomy. There are some cultures that believe emotions have come from the bones. Some cultures believe that emotions came from the spleen. Some cultures believe that emotions came uh, from the stomach. I mean, kind of weird, right? But different cultures looking at it saying, like, where do these passions, where do these emotions, like, where do they come from? Kind of odd. I mean, obviously, as a culture, we've come to this place, we say they're from the heart, which just feels better. If I said, hey, I love you with all of my heart, that feels okay. But if I said, I love you with all of my spleen, baby, I love you with all of my bones. Isn't that weird? So, again, different cultures have thought different things. You go all the way back to the ancient Jewish culture. The ancient Jewish culture believed in part 
that passions, that emotions came from the bowels. In fact, if you read uh, Old King James English Bibles, you'll find oftentimes that actually that word is used and people talked about like their feelings or emotions. They use that term from their bowels. So different, different cultures, different people have thought, again, emotions came from different places. If you go to the scientific community, scientists will tell you that it's simply from the brain. It has nothing to do with really any other part of the anatomy. It's just the brain. In fact, some scientists are what's known as biological reductionists. Big term on a Sunday morning. What a biological reductionist means is this, is some scientists believe that we are nothing more than a meat bag and you can attribute our total humanity to hormones and neurons and electrical charges in your brain. And once those turn off, you turn off because you are nothing more than physical matter. Isn't that interesting? But come on, how many people know that God's word teaches we are something far more complex than that, that there is an immaterial part of who we are? The Bible says that you and I, that we are a living soul and that our emotions, all of our emotions, they emanate from this inner invisible part of who we are. And so it's not the bowels, it's not the brain, it's not the bones, it is the soul. God has put in us who we are, God has designed us how we are, and God has put in us this idea of emotions. Come on, everybody say emotions. 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 Probably far more important than the point of origin is the power that emotions have. Have you ever thought about for a second how powerful really emotions are in our lives? If you'll really give it consideration, I think you'll find that most of our memories are built by emotions. The times we were hurt the most, the time that we had the greatest happiness, like those are the times. If you think back to your childhood, it wasn't the average days that you remember. It's the times that you had a lot of fun with your family, those memories that you were building together. Or you went through a really traumatic time. Those are the highlights of our life. So again, emotions are incredibly powerful because they not only, right, they not only build our memories, but they drive our decisions. You make the majority of your decisions in life based on how you feel. And so they're this really powerful component in our life. I'm just curious, what is your favorite emotion? Your favorite emotion. Basically, there are four primary emotions. The four basic emotions are joy, sadness, anger, and fear. Like when it comes all the way down, now some people, and you can check this out and do your own research, some people say that there's four basic ones, but there are as many as 27 different human emotions. You say, well, is, is it four? Is it 27? It's just four, but if you expand it out, they're just different nuances of the same basic four. For example, surprise, surprise, <laughs> surprise is a different emotion than joy, but it's a nuance of it, Right? So you can have joy without being surprised, but it's just an extension of it. Another one is disgust. Disgust is a human emotion that we feel, but disgust, all it is is a hybrid of sadness and anger. So there are just really four basic emotions that we have. And I want you just to think about these for a minute as we talk about what God wants to do to change our lives as he deals with this incredibly powerful component of our life. Again, that drives our decisions and builds our memories. Emotions. Everybody say emotions. What emotions are you dealing with today? What if I could dig into your brain, if I could get into your heart, if you would unpeel your soul, what emotion are you wrestling with this morning? What emotion has you 
kind of clocking your life right now this past week. No doubt if all of us could have a conversation, if we'd be honest, there's probably something resonating in the background of our life. There is some emotion that's kind of pushing up to the top, something we're wrestling with, something we're feeling. I want you to know that God cares and God feels something about how you feel. And so these four emotions, again, think about this, joy, sadness, anger, and fear. Some people say that anger is the most dangerous emotion. Fear is the most influential emotion. Fear is the one that drives so many of our decisions. Sadness is the most enduring emotion. When you go into a season of sadness or grief, it's like you can shake fear pretty quick sometimes. It's like when sadness gets in, it's just, it's just hard to escape it. It's hard to get out of it. It's almost like a, like a vacuum that just sucks us in. But come on, I came today to talk about joy. Come on, is anybody thankful for joy? Joy is known as the most powerful emotion because it has the ability to overcome the other three. Let me just give you an example. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you how joy can over, overcome the other three. Listen, if someone comes into my, someone knocks on my door, like it's a little kid from next door, and this little kid comes and says, hey, Mr. Husky, which is what I make all the kids in my community call me. Because I don't know you. You, call me, you. you better give me some respect if you're walking on my property. Let's go. No, I'm, I've never met any kids in my community. I'm making that part up. <laughs> But if they did, if someone walked up to my door and said, Mr. Husky, we're so sorry. We were playing baseball on the street, and we threw the baseball, and we broke your windshield. How many people know that I would, in that moment, experience an overwhelming flood of the emotion anger? Like, you better run and hope I can't catch you. Come on, absolutely. But if in the same time I'm standing at the door and my blood pressure is going up and I'm angry because now i got to spend money to replace my windshield because you don't know how to throw straight, and my phone rings, and someone else says, Mr. Husky, we got good news from you. This is the publisher's clearing house sweepstakes, and you just won $120 million. How many people know in that moment I will go from, come on, I will go from anger to joy in about 100, come on, just like that. Because joy is such a powerful emotion, it really has the ability to capsize the other three. Are you all with me today? But let me just go a little bit deeper because there is a healthy side and there is an unhealthy side. There is a bad side and there is a good side to all four of those emotions. For example, there is a bad anger. Bad anger is what hurts others. But you can have a righteous anger that helps others. There can be some things that you're fired up about that we should be concerned about that's happening in our culture and community that we stand up against because God cares, we care, and we shouldn't tolerate it. And so there is, again, an unhealthy anger that hurts others. There is a healthy anger that helps others. There is an unhealthy fear that will hold you back from making the decisions and walking in your destiny and fulfilling your purpose. If you will allow fear to hold you back, you will miss the life that Jesus brought you on this planet to live. But there's a healthy fear that says, don't go there, don't call them, don't do that. Come on, how people know that there's a healthy fear that sometimes will protect you and help you? Well, I want you to know something today that there is, when we talk about joy, 
Why joy is such a powerful emotion, the reason some of us are not walking in the joy that God wants us to have, because repeatedly in the New Testament, God's word says that he wants our joy to be full. Everybody say full. God wants you to have not halfway joy, not a little bit of joy. God wants you to have full joy. And the reason some of us don't have the joy that God wants us to have in our soul and in our heart and in the center of who we are is because we are putting our hope in things that only last for the moment. If you want to have an eternal joy, you got to put it in an eternal source and the eternal source of joy is our savior jesus and so again these four emotions are so powerful but even when it comes to joy when it comes to, to happiness whatever nuance you want to use there is a healthy side and an unhealthy side there is a a good joy and there really is a bad joy again a lot of times the bad joy that we have is because we're putting we're putting our, our hope in something that is only in the moment. You, know, you, can get, you, can get, you can get joy from a high. Come on, I know some of you play in church, but some of you have been there. Come on, people get high because it brings some joy, it brings some relief. But that, but that high will wear off, and you'll be stuck in a worse situation than when you started. That pill might alleviate some pain, but it'll take you to the other side where the joy leaves, and you're stuck with the initial problem. Let's go, somebody. And so, again, we got to have an eternal source of joy. And so Jesus, let's talk about Jesus for a minute. Jesus, did you know one of the things that he said over and over again? Lawrenceburg, this is such a powerful phrase. Jesus said this multiple times. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Come on. God wants you and I to have good cheer. Everybody say good cheer. Good cheer. Be of good cheer. In fact, there's, here's a verse. Check this out again. Here's what God's word says. This is so powerful. Watch this. Everybody read this with me. God says he will give you a crown of beauty for ashes. Come on, every voice, Lawrenceburg. He'll give you a joyous blessing instead of mourning. He'll give you a festive praise instead of despair. That means God has the ability where this world just wants to give you techniques and, and, and tricks on how to get better. Jesus wants to give you a transplant of joy. God says, I'll take out what's creating mourning in you. And God says, I'll put in praise. I'll put in a blessing. Come on, I'll give you beauty for the destruction in your life. Let's go. David said this. David said that God is the lifter of my head. Come on, when I can't lift up my head, when I am down, when I am discouraged, when I am fed up, when I am overwhelmed, when I am filled with anger, when I am overwhelmed with fear, God can step in and grab my chin and lift it up. He is the lifter of my head. He can do for me what nobody else can do for me. And so Jesus steps on the scene in his ministry, and over and over and over again, we find him saying, be of good cheer. Come on, everybody say good cheer. Be of good cheer. What's, what's really ironic about this idea of good cheer is Jesus says, be of good cheer to some of the people who are in the worst situations. And what's crazy is I think about it, we, we kind of are the same way, aren't we? We want joy for other people. It's not just Jesus. Like we want, we, want our, we want our kids to have joy. If you have children and they come home and they've had a bad day or they're going through a tough, we want them to have joy. Co-workers or friends or our spouses. Come on. We want, in fact, we, we try to make them have it even when they don't want to have it. On, on the flip side, on, the, on a side note, like we almost try to control emotions sometimes. Anybody here ever have a dad when you was growing up, like you'd get a beating for something and then they say, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. I, I thought you already gave me something to cry about. I'm not clear. Are you not done? You better stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. And you'd be like... <laughs> Your dad trying to like control those emotions. 
And we do it on the good side because, again, we, we want, come on, we want those closest. We want them to have cheer. We want them to have happiness. We want them to experience that core emotion of joy that comes out of it. And that's why we have phrases in our culture that say things like, we just say, hey, smile. Cheer up. Turn that frown upside down. Why do we say those things? We say those things because we recognize in somebody that they're having a bad day, they're going through a bad season. We don't want them to suffer, so we try to help them by encouraging them, again, to cheer up. Now, let me just ask you a question. Do you think our capacity and ability to help somebody or make somebody cheer up is even beginning to be equal to the creator of the universe who made us and created us? and When he steps into your life and says, cheer up, come on, I want you to know something. It's not, it's not something of recommendation. He's about to do something radical in your life to bring you joy that you can't have without it. Be of good cheer. Jesus can do a work if you're taking notes. Jesus can do a work in us to overcome what's overcoming us. If you're in Lawrenceburg or you're in Florence or you're watching online and you're overcome with anger or you're overcome with fear or you're overcome with sadness or any of those nuances, grief, frustration, disappointment, listen, I just want you to know today that Jesus is the one who can do a transplant in your soul and he can pull some of those things out. Now, I'm not talking about the sadness we need and I'm not talking about the fear that we need and I'm not talking about, come on, the anger we need. I'm talking about those negative emotions that are weighing you down. Jesus can step into your life today. Listen, I don't care if you believe me or not. I came to preach God's word. He can step into your heart, step into your soul, step into your life. He can pull out the pain and he can put in the joy that you'll have full joy now. Let me, let me just let you in on a little secret. Everybody lean in. Just lean up. Just lean up. Here's a secret to preaching from your side. You got to choose to hear the word. You got to choose to put faith in the word. And you got to choose when you leave to do the word. If all you do is sit and listen, you will not change. When you say, if that's what God said, I choose to believe it. God, I don't know how you're going to take this broken mess of me and make me whole and give me joy. But if that's what your word says, I choose to believe what your word says. And Jesus said, let it be unto you according to your faith. God, I choose to believe your word. I receive joy now in Jesus' name. Let's go, somebody. Come on. So I want to lean into one of the specific times where Jesus said, be of good cheer. Let me just, let me back up. Again, Jesus said this, be of good cheer over and over again. Be of good cheer, be of good cheer. And he said it to people who are in the most dire of straits of situations. In fact, it almost seems offensive that Jesus would tell people, hey, come on, cheer up. You want to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know what I'm feeling right now? And you're going to try to step into my situation and tell me, cheer up? Again, because Jesus isn't making a recommendation, he's, he's trying to bring the cheer and the joy that these people need. And so over and over again, we find it. And what we find is Jesus, and, and you see this eight different times in the New Testament, is Jesus will tell somebody in a difficult situation when they are sick or they're broken, cheer up. And then after he tells them to cheer up, then God does a miracle, right. which means, come on, there's a gap that all of us experience between our expectation and our experience. The gap between our expectation and our experience is oftentimes where we feel fear. It's where we, it's where we suffer with anger because we think we ought to have one thing. Instead, we have something else. We have an expectation. But what Jesus says when he's on the scene, he can, move your, he can move your expectation to that experience, that he can move you to that place where you can experience full joy. He says, so before you see it, get ready. Come on, be before it's on the scene, get ready. Here's one, for example, in... Uh, 
In Matthew, watch this, Matthew chapter 9, this is one of the times that Jesus says, be of good cheer. It's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. This woman, if you don't know the story, she has been sick for years. She's suffering with this physical, uh, physical disease. She's gone to all kinds of doctors. She spent all her money, and she can't get any better. And listen what happens. She comes up on Jesus, or actually Jesus comes up on her. It says, Matthew 9, 22, but Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, come on, read this with me. Be of good cheer, daughter. Come on, Jesus, don't you know? Don't you know I'm broke? Don't you know I've spent all my money? Don't you know I've gone to every specialist that anybody could ever recommend to me and I still have my problem? Jesus, don't you know that I'm bleeding and I'm an outcast in society? Don't you know, Jesus, I can't even go to church? Don't you know that I'm not welcome in my own family because of this disease and you want to tell me to, to cheer up? Yeah. Be of good cheer, daughter. Watch this. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well when? Not before he said it, from that hour, which means Jesus said, be of good cheer, which you don't look like you have a reason to be of good cheer. But if you'll take my word for it instead of how you feel, Jesus said, I'll open up the door and you to bring life change in you. Let's go. Be of good cheer. In fact, Jesus uses this phrase so many times. Be of good cheer to broken people. We see it even used where his disciples. This is how you know when you're a disciple of Jesus. You know how you know when you're a true disciple? It's not when you play church on Sundays, it's when you start to act like your savior. And they're following Jesus, and there's a man who's blind on the side of the road, and they go up to him, his disciples, and, uh, and this is what they say to him. It's so cool. They say, hey, hey, dude, I know you can't see, but be of good cheer. What, what do I have to have cheer if I can't see? Be of good cheer because the master wants to see you. You know what he's saying is you better get your expectation ready for a new experience. You can have joy because Jesus can overcome what's on the inside of you. Let's go. Be of good cheer. So let's lean into this. In, in, uh, in, the book of, uh, in the book of Mark chapter 6, I just want to run through this story. And it's one of the other occasions where Jesus challenges people who are overwhelmed with another emotion. Be of good cheer. You know, sometimes conversations I have or messages I preach, I can come across, and I recognize this, as maybe even insensitive. Because I understand sitting on your side in your situation, you may feel exactly like some of these people felt like, come on, pastor, you just almost feel very flippant because you don't really understand the pain I have. You don't understand the season I'm in. And moments can feel very weighty and overwhelming when you're alone. And the purpose we show up every week and we sit under God's word is because we believe there's a higher truth and there's a better way and that there's an answer and there's a solution. And Jesus, he said he's it. He said, I am the way. The way where? Ultimately, the way to heaven. But heaven isn't a place you go where you die. Heaven is a place that comes on you when you experience him as your savior. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So I want you to hear me today. It's not at all that I minimize your situation, your pain, or your emotional hurt, your emptiness, your weightiness, and the difficulty of the season you're in. What I've come to tell you is in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your anger and frustration, in the middle of everything you're suffering, in the weight of your grief, Jesus will show up in the scene of where you're at, and he will pull out what's broken, and he will transplant beauty for ashes. Yes. Come on, somebody. He will transplant joy for your sorrow if you'll give him an opportunity. And so watch this. Mark chapter 6. This is... One of the times where Jesus is walking on water, if you're, new to, if you're new to the Bible, it sounds like, wait, one of the times, I mean, come on, listen, you pick the right Savior when your Savior can walk on water. That's all I'm saying. Jesus does this a few times in the New Testament, and here's one of those times. In Mark chapter 6, verse 47, 
It says, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And he intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Now, if you caught this real quick, but don't you love it that Jesus sees you in your struggle before you ever see him? Come on, the Bible says that they were in the middle of this, in the middle of this lake, in the middle of this storm, in the middle of all this thing. They were concerned they were going to drown, and Jesus saw them from the shore before they ever saw Jesus walking on the water. I want you to know something today. Come on, you are not abandoning your situation. God sees your struggle, and he doesn't just see your struggle before you see him, but he is moving your direction. So Jesus sees him struggling, and he goes walking on the water. The disciples see him. They're already freaked out. They're already full of fear. I believe that probably the level of water in their boat was equal to the level of fear in their heart. See, if you don't have any water in your boat, you don't have any reason to be concerned. But as the level of water increases, uh uh-oh, and there reaches a place where you think, I'm not going to make it out of this. And that's true for all of our hearts. When the level of fear or the level of anger or the level of sadness starts to increase in our life, we feel like we reach a breaking point. And so they're already panicked. They're already afraid. And then they think they see a ghost, which if you think you're about to drown and you see a ghost, that's probably a bad sign, isn't it? Like you probably don't feel like we're going to make it out of this. Come on. And then Jesus, listen, come on, think about Jesus. Here these dudes are struggling in the middle of a storm on the water. Now they think a ghost shows up, and Jesus has the audacity in the weight of their emotional struggle. Come on, watch this. Don't be afraid. Be of, come on, say it, be of. Come on, look at somebody next to you and say, be of good cheer. Come on, be of good cheer. Be, you, come on, you can't help that person next to you. You can't help them have cheer, but you can tell them about the one who can give them the cheer that they're missing. Come on, be of, come on, say it, good cheer. Come on, some of you ought to tell your face, be a good cheer. <laughs> Something I can't, I can't tell based on your faces that I'm preaching on cheer and joy and happiness. Come on, somebody, be of, come on, say it, good cheer. Don't be afraid, he said, be of good cheer. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the struggle of our emotions is when we become subject to an object. That's really where the weight of emotions, especially unhealthy emotions, become the strongest. Again, it's when we become subject to an object. When I mean an object, I mean a person, I mean a situation, I mean a bank statement, I mean a bill in the mail, I mean a breakup from a spouse, I mean a loss of employment, I mean a loss of a loved one. All of a sudden, when that object you're facing, when you become subject to it, that's when the weight of emotion comes in. And what Jesus is saying is right now you are subject to the object of your storm, which is why you feel fear. What Jesus is challenging them to do is to change their focus. Come on, what I want you to know is that sometimes it's not the problems of life that change. It's not that all of a sudden you have a job and all of a sudden you're healed. It's not in the moment the circumstances change. What changes the emotion is when you change your focus because the power of the thing you're focused on will always determine the power of the emotion that's on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. And what Jesus is saying is why the storm 
storm is strong. I just happen to know somebody who's stronger. Come on, does anybody here know that we serve a great Savior? If you don't know the end of the storm, come on, y'all got to see this. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Be of good cheer. And watch how it ends. Watch this. Then he climbed into the boat, and what happened? And the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed. Now, again, if Jesus, here's what we want to see happen. Is in, in, in the way we operate, we want Jesus to still the storm and then tell us, see, there's nothing to be afraid of. Be of good cheer. And it's easy to have cheer when the storm has stopped. But can you have good cheer in a storm? And Jesus is saying the way you have cheer in a storm is by deciding what you're going to focus on. And I love it. I don't know if you caught this, but this is a commandment. Anytime Jesus commands something, this is really important. If God commands us to do something, he will give us the strength to fulfill his command. If God tells us, listen, if God commands us, which he does, to stop telling lies, then don't tell me, well, it's just who I am. I can't help myself. No, if God commands you to do something, he can give you the power to fulfill that command. Are you all with me? Listen, so I want you to hear his commands. Are you ready? Because he gives us two. He commands you, don't be afraid. Wait a second. I thought emotions was, was, wasn't an option. No, sometimes it can feel like it's not an option. And when you are underneath the weight of something you feel like you don't have an option in, then you tap out. But when Jesus steps on the scene and says, I can command fear to leave you, all you got to choose to do is participate. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. Some translations, be of good cheer, and I, I love maybe this, this translation, is take courage. So he says, he says come on, you, you need to lay down your fear. Come on, somebody. And you got to pick up courage. You got to pick up joy. You got to pick up happiness. You got to pick up peace, which means as long as you're holding on to your fear and not picking up peace, then you'll continue to walk in the fear you have. But if you'll listen to Jesus and walk in the command he's given us and fix your focus on something greater than your situation, come on, you can... Don't be afraid. You can let it go and you can pick up. Come on, everybody. Say, be of good cheer. Listen, I've come to tell everybody in this room, everybody in Lawrenceburg, everybody watching online, in the words of Jesus, be of good cheer. Come on. It's your season to shine. It's your season to allow the joy of Jesus to shine in your situation. If you'll fix your focus on the thing that's captured your attention, stop being subject to the object and start putting your attention on Jesus. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. What has your focus in this season? What's overwhelmed you? Here's the funny thing is, and I have been there, where you go through this season and all of a sudden it becomes so overwhelming. And I'm not sure where the, what came first, the chicken or the egg. Like, if it's a situation, have you ever got into a situation and the situation feels bad and then you start thinking about it? And then the more you think about it, the worse it feels. And then the worse it feels, the more you think about it. And you just go down this spiral. And like, again, it just sucks you down. What will stop the spiral in your life? An emotional transplant. That's it. Where Jesus says, I can give you beauty for ashes. I can be the lifter of your head. If you will, don't be afraid. And if you'll take courage. Come on, everybody in this room. I, I came to tell you, take courage. Take it. Take courage. I don't have courage to offer you, but I know somebody who does. 
Jesus can give you courage because he's greater than the problem that you're focused on. Jesus is the one who can close the gap between your expectation and your experience. He's the one who can show up and turn your situation around. And if he doesn't turn it around when you think or how you think, the fact that he's with you is enough to give you the confidence and courage in the season you're in to carry you to the other side of your storm. Come on, somebody. Anybody here give Jesus a great big praise. So here's what I want you to know today, really simple. Come on, you can have cheer or fear. I know it doesn't feel that simple, and I have been underneath the weight of emotion myself, and it feels like you don't have a choice, but what Jesus is saying when he says, don't be afraid, take courage, is you choose cheer or fear. Let me ask another question. You guys have probably looking at these water bottles up here. Think about this for a second. We've probably all maybe heard this question or heard it talked about, is this bottle... Is it half full or is it half empty? Is it half full or is it half empty? And it's intended, it's intended to be like this idea where you can evaluate your personality or are you an optimist or are you a pessimist. And if you look at the bottle and you say, well, the bottle's half full. Well, you're an optimist. And some of you look at this and say, oh, man, that bottle's half empty. And those who would say that, people would say to you, well, you're, you're a pessimist. I'm just curious. How many people would maybe say you're a little more of an optimist? This is half full. Just curious. Come on, come on, participate. How many people would say you're maybe kind of the pessimist, and you would say, yeah, that's half empty? <laughs> All you raising your hand, you need Jesus more than the people raise their hands the first time. <laughs> We're so glad you participated in that survey. If you'll leave your name and contact information, we'll be contacting you shortly. We have a course we'd like to sell you, and moving from a pessimist to an optimist. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, and this is what I want you to see, is the question is wrong. You will always get the wrong answer if you ask the wrong question. Because this, this illustration is not a matter of perspective. It's a matter of process. See, the question isn't, is it half full or half empty? Here's the question is, is is this bottle on its way to being filled? Because if so, it's half filled. Or is it on its way to being empty? Because if so, then it's half empty. See, if I take this bottle and some of you in this room and you're filled with fear and you're overwhelmed with anger, someone ticked you off, someone took advantage of you, life has stepped in and dealt you a hand that you don't think is fair, fair and I would be the first one to co-sign that and tell you it's horrible what you're going through. And Jesus has compassion about what you're going through. But at some point in life, you got to choose to stop being subject to the object of the pain in your life and saying, I need to allow Jesus to take the fear out of me. So if that's you, then you might right now be half filled with anger. You might be half filled with grief. You might be half filled with sadness. You might be half filled with whatever emotion you're struggling with. But listen to me, Jesus said, if you'll allow me, I can help you to lay that down. And all the rest of us in this room, come on, Jesus said, I've come to give you full joy. I want you to cheer up. Be of, come on, say it, be of good cheer. That means if you don't have it yet, you're on the process of being filled up. So it will look like this. Come on. Some of you need to pour it out, and some of you need to fill it up. Some of you need to pour it out, and some of you need to fill it up. My hope and my prayer stepping into this message, stepping into this Sunday, is some of you that are filled with fear, anxiety, worry, grief, sadness, that Jesus will empty you out. That you'll participate in the process of don't be afraid. And some of you that don't have the joy, you don't, you don't, want, don't have the joy that, that God wants you to have, it's not there yet, that Jesus would fill you to the brim. Yeah. 
Take courage. Come on, take it. It's, no, Jesus, that's why Jesus came. Jesus said, take it. But it's all a matter of your focus. Your focus determines your feeling. Your focus determines your feeling. What you are filled with determines on what you're focused in. When the disciples were focused on the storm, they were filled with fear. When they focused on Jesus, they were filled with faith. Your focus. What are you focused on? So today is probably less about emotions and more about attentions. What has your attention? Psalm 42, verse 5, as we get ready to wrap this up, listen to what David said. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Anybody else in the room, and, and if, if I'm the only weird person, then just lie and tell me you do it. Jesus will forgive you so I don't feel weird. Anybody else talk to themselves out loud when nobody else is around? Whew. I don't know if you're lying or not, but that made me feel better. I find myself like, come on, man, you can do that. Stupid. I call lots of inanimate objects in my life names. Talking to myself. David finds himself where he's overwhelmed with fear, where he's filled with sadness. And it's not that he don't get it. If you, David's a smart man. He was the king of a nation. If you would pull him aside and say, David, you really don't know, you really don't understand why your heart is broken, why you're downtrodden, you don't understand. He would say, for sure I know. Look at the situation I'm in. But he's asking himself these rhetorical questions because his conclusion is it really shouldn't be this way. Not that nobody goes through things. If you're hearing me say you're never going to go through anything, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can go through a storm and still be of good cheer. And here's how. It's all in your focus. Why are you cast down, oh, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. He said, I, I, I've been focused on the wrong stuff. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. I don't have a reason to praise him, but if I put my focus where it belongs, he can close the gap between my expectation and my experience. That's what Jesus came to do. When you're sick on the side of the road, be of good cheer. When you can't see, be of good cheer. When you can't walk yet, be of good cheer. I don't have anything to cheer about. Yeah, you do, because the one who can bring cheer is here. Be of good cheer. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The New Testament says it this way, and I'll close. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Notice he didn't say rejoice always, and again, I say rejoice. He had to make sure that he gave you a focus to fix your attention on. If you're going to find peace in this world, if you're going to find joy amidst the sorrow that floods life, it's not escaping problems because pro if, if you get away from one, come on, another one's around the corner. Rejoice in the Lord always. And if you will always rejoice in the Lord, you can always have full joy because your Savior is always greater than your storm. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can we say that together? Everybody, Lawrenceburg, Florence, say it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I pray, God, those who are overwhelmed and sinking underneath the weight of emotions, I pray, God, you will help them to fix their focus on you and be filled. 
Come on, I tell you today to be filled. Be filled with cheer. Be filled with peace. Be filled with joy. And God, help us to lay down and let go of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and discouragement. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.